Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. All right, so the sermon I have tonight, uh, <laughs> it was kind of hard to, uh, the sermon this morning was a little, a little, a little hard, and the Lord laid this on my heart a while back. And it's also hard as well. It's like, you sure you want to do this one? Like, like, come on, God. You sure it's time for this one? And this is this is the one He gave me. So, just you can uh, either take it one of two ways. Okay, so hear me out. You can leave mad, or you can take it as an encouragement and a ch- and a challenge. Okay. Everybody say Amen. Amen. Say Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now we're awake, aren't we? If y'all will, can you, can everybody do me a little bit of a favor? Can everybody move up a little? Is that is that okay to ask? Move up a little. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on with it. Hey, that's fine too. <laughs> but the title of my sermon tonight is everybody's moving. That's okay. The title of my sermon tonight is Father Figure. Okay. And I'm going to be really talking to men and fathers in this sermon, okay, but, but women, there's also, oh, I keep kicking that over. Women, there's also a, a part for you to hang on to, okay? All right, so bear with me, bear with me. And when I mean father figure, I do not mean a dad bod, okay? Yeah, clearly I have one. And all the men of God said amen. Amen, amen, amen. So... How many of y'all know that in today's society, in today's world, the word crisis is a hot-button topic? We like using crisis for everything, don't we? There's COVID crisis. There's monkeypox crisis. There's government crisis. There is all kinds of crises going on in the world today. And one thing I want to focus on tonight is the complacent and absentee father crisis. In not just the world, and in society, but in our churches. So listen up, okay? Don't shout me down here. All right. At every turn, society is trying to beat the father down. Yeah, they are. At every turn, society is trying to beat the father down. They're trying to diminish them, demasculate them. They're trying to make them less than, unwanted, unneeded in every aspect. And as a man... Sometimes it's easy just to sit in the corner, isn't it? Well, they can have their their whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. I'm fine right here. I'll just sit back. I'll do my thing. Let them worry about them. Have you ever felt that way? I have. But everything tries to come against the man. Everything tries to come against the man of God. And if a man does step up and actually acts like a man, what happens? Oh, he's male chauvinistic, or he's this, or he's that. He's horrible. He's this. He's that. Everything about a man, for whatever reason, frustrates society. I mean, let's be real. Are y'all hearing me? Let's be real. And I want to talk to you tonight about men. It's time to step up. It's time to stop sitting in the corner while things happen around us. And wait for something to happen. It's time to step up. It's time to break societal norms and get out of the pew and into the altars for our families. 
It's trying to ba- break societal norms and actually fight for our families in prayer. That we don't live up to what society says about a man or about a father. We live up to what God says about it. And <laughs> newsflash, we can't live up to it. I can't do it. That's why I rely on God. That's why I rely on the grace of God. Let's get into it. And the first thing I want to talk about tonight is called is, is the word legacy. Has everybody heard the, about the word legacy? You heard the word legacy somewhere. All right. So... Looking up the definition of the word legacy, legacy is usually uh, like a finance, a money that you leave for somebody, but there's also two meanings of it. Now, we can, we can sit on finance because everybody likes money, don't they? Hey, Amen. There we go. A few. I don't know about you, but I'm fine with somebody leaving me a good legacy of money. That'd be perfectly fine with me. But my first point today is legacy is more than money. So legacy is something that you impart to somebody. It's not just the money you give. It's not just the finances you leave for someone. It's what you pass down to someone, what you pass on to them. It's not about just, I hoard up this money for you, which, like I said, sometimes that's good. But it's not about that. It's about what I pass on to you, okay? So we can get lost in the money side of things, can't we? So right now, if you can, real quick, think in your head. Who has left you a good legacy? Not necessarily money, but left a good legacy in your mind or on your, on your life. If you could think, sum it up in one word, would you shout it out? Your mom? Dad? Grandparents? What did they impart to you? Wisdom. That's a good one. What's that? Integrity. That's good. Work ethic. That's good. Discernment? What was that? Bad habits. <laughs> hey, that brings me to my next point. <laughs> I was going to ask, too. You know, there are, there's good legacy and there's also bad legacy. So it does happen. All right? And, but every one of us can probably think of both of those scenarios, a good legacy and a bad legacy. All right? But I want to look at right now is First Kings chapter 10. You can go there with me, or I can just read it. That's okay. And how many of y'all know King David? Yes, we know King David, don't we? Not, not personally. No, but we know King David in the Bible. King David is known as what? A man after God's own heart. All right? Now, King David is known after a man, of God, man after God's own heart. But how many of y'all know King David stumbled and fell a lot? Yes, on his face many times. Yes. He did that, and how many of y'all know, though he was a great king, though he was a mighty man of God, he wasn't necessarily the best father, was he? Probably not. He, he had all kinds of dysfunction up in his family, all, up in, uh, his kids killing each other, sleeping with, you know what, and uh, I forgot we had kids in here. Uh, <laughs> but it's all kinds of dysfunction up in there, all right, all kinds of crazy. But he's known as a man after God's own heart because he stayed true to God until his last breath. So David was a mighty king, but not such a great father. And one of many things that David was, was he, in many cases, imparted wisdom. You know, the book of Psalms, a lot of those, he imparts wisdom, doesn't he? 
and also to Solomon. So can you say that Solomon probably grew up with a father that really valued wisdom? There we go. Yes, Solomon grew up with a father that really valued wisdom. All right. So as Solomon gets older, David passes away and Solomon becomes king. God appears to Solomon in a dream. And what does God tell him? He says, you can ask for anything you want. And Solomon asks for wisdom. So I could stand to say that Solomon just didn't ask for wisdom out of the blue moon. That it was something probably passed down to him from David, his father, on the importance of wisdom. On the importance of being wise to lead the people. The importance of being wise to lead God's people in the right way. And God gave it to him. It says there was no other person as wise as Solomon. And God blessed him. Because he asked for wisdom, God blessed him with riches. So, let's look at 1 Kings 10, 23 through 25. It says, King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world in his riches and in wisdom. The whole world wanted an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Every man would bring his annual tribute items of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, and horses and mules. So, not only did God bless him financially, people were coming to him just giving him their stuff to get wisdom. Wouldn't you love that? Like just post up, you know, like social media, like words of wisdom. I guess people do pay for it. Words of wisdom, self-help, all kinds of crazy stuff that we pay for nowadays. People were coming to him, giving him stuff just to have words of wisdom from him. All right? And he had all kinds of riches. All right. We're on to point two. Legacy is more than words. How many of you can think of an inspirational quote right now? Something, something that's stuck with you your entire life that's amazing, that you love, hold on to, or cherish? The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yes, that's a good one. But if you think real hard, you can probably think about words of wisdom that somebody has imparted to you, right? Think about the words somebody says or did. So, words may speak for a moment, but actions speak and ring out through eternity. So we can say, we can speak things into the air all day long, but until our actions line up with our words, what does it mean? It's kind of like a politician. But... Anyway, I'm not going to get on that. We talked enough about that this morning. But if your actions don't line up with your words, then what, what is it? You're just speaking into the air. So what does the Bible say? Let's look at this. It says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 35. So what that is saying is that not only will they know, not, not by biblical knowledge, not by what you say, not by your wisdom, not by this, not by that, not by this, but they will know you by the love that you show. So the love, therefore, being an action in how we act. That it's an action, though, what we do. It isn't about what we say. Now, what you can't say can't bleed over into an action. It can reflect your actions. But what he's saying is they will know who you are. They will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Not by how much you give in the offering. Not by how much you know, but how you love. How you show that around you. 
I can tell my son to do something. He's over here. Wave, Noah. <laughs> you ain't got to come up here, Bubba. <laughs> I can tell him to do something all day long. I can tell him to do something. Like, go do this, go do that. But if I never deposit love or show love and compassion to him in any way whatsoever, how do you think he's going to act toward me? He's going to be resentful. He's going to be angry. He's going to come against me, probably not listen. He already has a hard enough time of that anyway. But, <laughs> no, he listens. He's a good kid. But the thing is that I show him the action. And a lot of times, I'm not going to ask him to do something that I'm not going to show him myself. Right? You ever ask somebody to do something that you yourself haven't done? Talking about action. All right. So how you live speaks louder than your words. When, 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 it, when you pass on at your funeral, what will people say about you? Will they, they bring up your quotes? Will they say, oh, they said this. Oh, they said this. Oh, they said that. Oh, say, oh they said this. Or will they say, you know what, Miss Kristen, she really showed love to everybody that, that was around her. She showed compassion. Noah, he was a man after truth. A man seeking truth and knowledge in everything that he did. Brandon, he was a great father. He loved his wife and kids and showed them and represented that in the way he lived. So will they say the words out of your mouth? Now we have words from history. But will they say the words out of your mouth? Or most of the time at your, it's like say at your funeral, they're going to talk about your actions, aren't they? How you lived, how you lived life, how you loved how you were as a family member, how you were as a person, your character, your integrity. Right? So let's move on to the third point. And this may sound a little contradictory, but listen to me. Let me explain it, okay? Legacy is more than being seen and not heard. All right, we just talked about words. <laughs> legacy is more than words. But how many of you also know that legacy can be the words that you say? And them, again, following action. All right? So, being quiet to avoid confrontation some kind, sometimes can be just as bad as committing the crime, can it? If you sit back while somebody else is doing something, let's just say, say, uh, stealing a candy bar at a supermarket or something, at a general store, and you sit back and you watch them do it knowing good and well what they're doing, and you just don't say anything because you don't want a confrontation, what does that make you? <laughs> An accomplice, yes. Yeah, accessory, there you go. That makes you probably just about as guilty as the other person, right? Because you didn't stick up for it, you didn't say nothing. You wanted to avoid confrontation, so you stayed silent. So, I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a second. Men today stay silent way too much. And I'm not saying, I know sometimes we, we don't need to talk. But men today are too silent. And men today are too silent in the church. Let's bring up some statistics. Because everybody likes statistics. Yes. So this is from the Washington Area Coalition of Men's Ministry. And bear with me, I'm going to read quite a few of these. Okay. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church 17% of the time. Okay, 17%. When a father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. So 17% for the mother, 93% for the father. So tell me, are fathers important? Are men of God important? 
95% of men say they don't have male friends. Less than a third of men in church say they have a friend. There are 113 million men in America over the age of 15. 69 million of these men make no profession of faith in Christ. 90 million men are not involved in any kind of discipleship. Only 6 million men are involved in discipleship. Only one out of every 18 men. Wow. The typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's 61% female and 39% male. On any given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than men in American churches. This Sunday, almost 25% of married church-going women will worship without their husbands. Midweek activities often draw 70 to 80% female participants. The majority of church employees are women, except for ordained clergy, who are overwhelmingly male. Over 70% of the boys who are being raised in church will abandon it during the teens and 20s. Many of these boys will never return. More than 90% of American men believe in God, and five out of six call themselves Christians. But only two of the six attend church as in, on a given Sunday. The average man accepts the reality of Jesus Christ, but fails to see any value in going to church. Churches, over, churches overseas report gender gaps of up to nine women for every adult man. Christian universities are becoming, becoming convents. The typical Christian college in the U.S. enrolls almost two women for every one man. Fewer than 10% of U.S. churches are able to establish or maintain a vibrant men's ministry. Fewer than 1% of church-going men participants in any sort of, are in any sort of ongoing men's ministry program. As many as 70% of men have actively sought out pornography this year. 93% of people incarcerated are, are and 85% of them have no father figure. As many Christians will divorce as non-Christians. 33% of the 72 million children in America will go to bed without their biological father in the home. Fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade, a grade and have emotional problems. Four out of five students in evangelical churches will drop out of church by their senior year in high school. 95% of men who attend a conference make a life-changing decision. 60% get connected to a small group. 25% make a first decision for Christ. All right. So I know that was a lot to throw at you. I know that was a lot of information. And it was so small I could barely read it. But after reading that, do you understand and see where, where we're missing it a little bit? You understand and see, whereas men of God, that we have some stepping up to do. Y'all hear me? Are you hearing me? There is importance in the home of the father. There's importance in the home as a, as a man of God to step up. Because what I see in societal norms is the mother is stepping up into a place where she doesn't have to be. She's having to take hold. She's having to take her kids to church. She's having to pray for them. She's having to intercede for them in the altars where the father should be. Let's, let's get real. So let's look at the life of Solomon real quick. Solomon, at first, was a man of God, wasn't he? He sought out wisdom, and he got what he wanted. 
The Lord gave it to him. The Lord gave it to him freely so much that he said, you know what, I'm going to bless you richly. But Solomon sought out other women in different, different, with different gods. And he had a crazy amount of women. I can't even imagine. I have one, and that's enough. I love her. I love her deeply. I love her deeply. She's my everything. <laughs> that, it's enough because that's all I need. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get out of it. <laughs> all right. But Solomon had, like, I think it was 700 wives and 300 concubines. A crazy amount, okay? But all the problem with all these women is they didn't all believe in God. They believed in different kinds of gods. And therefore, Solomon stepped up. He started building all these idols to all these different gods and started basically worshiping them, getting away from God. So, he does this. He lives his life. And that brings me to my next point. And that's legacy affects more than you. It affects a lot more than you think. So, let's look at 1 Kings 11, 11 through 13. So this is Solomon again. He's went after other gods. He's built idols. He's built all these things to start worshiping other gods. And this is God. It says, Then the Lord said to Solomon, Since you have done this and did not keep my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Okay, right there. So we would expect out of my actions, out of my own, own uh, failures, that God rips something away from me, Right? Right? You, you would expect that. You would think that, like, okay, I messed up here. I, I, I kind of get the tension. I kind of get the pull that God takes something away from me. But it wasn't that. Just wait. However, I will not do it during your lifetime for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of your son's hand. Wow. It isn't just enough that he, toured the, he could tear the kingdom away from me. Because of something I did, because of where I failed, where I messed up. But it's to the point that because of my failures and my mistakes, my failure to live up to a godly man, a godly father, that he ripped something away from my son. You, you get what I'm saying? That your legacy affects more than just you. Your legacy affects more than just your pride. Your legacy affects more than just who you are. It affects the people around you. It affects your kids. It affects all of them. The other day, we were sitting in the living room playing worship music on the TV, and I looked up, and my little girls are two years old. And I look over there, and I think it was Olivia. Olivia's sitting over there with her eyes closed with her hand up like this. Two years old. Now, does she know what she's doing? I'm not sure. But what I do know is she saw mom and daddy doing it. She saw mom and daddy in this altar lifting our hands, praising and worshiping God. So when she hears that, when she sees that, when she hears the name of God, that she automatically knows that it's time to worship. It's time to lift our hands. And I want that to bleed over to my kids. I want them to see that. I don't want them to see daddy just sitting in a pew. I don't want them to see me sitting there just not doing anything. I want them to see Daddy raising his hands, surrendering to God, giving my life in these altars. 
And I could say, please understand that as I'm preaching this sermon, it was just as much preaching to me as, a, as it is right now, right? Writing it is, is saying it to you, if that makes sense. It's just as much for me. So can I ask you, when we come to the altars, why is it, please hear me, I'm trying to make not, not sound horrible in saying this. I see more women come to the altars than I do men every Sunday. Okay, and I'm not saying you aren't praying where you're at. But can we get to a place as well where men are, aren't afraid to come to the altar, aren't afraid to fight for our families, aren't afraid to step out in faith and rage war? Because let's look at this. It says, For we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places, Ephesians six twelve. So that right there is enough to get me fired up. That when my family's praying, you best believe I'm going to be praying over them, or best believe I'm going to be interceding in prayer, fighting for them. Okay, and please understand, this can go any way, go both ways, for men and women to come down and fight. But I'm making a call for men for us to step up for our families, us to step up in the church. Guys, it, it's, I'm not trying to beat you down, and I, I, I hate that because, like I said, sometimes it sounds like it. I'm not trying to beat you down, but I'm trying to challenge myself as much as I am trying to challenge you, okay? I'm going to share something with you. God, I don't know if it's a vision or just a thought, but God, I was praying one day. Men, men's ministry has been real heavily on my heart here lately. It really has. And I was praying to God. I said, God, like, what can we do to kind of help, help revive what can we do to help kind of urge all of us as men to get, be closer to God, to pray, to seek out God? And the thing he, he said, he said, if your men will just pray, he said, I'll open the floodgates. And it was just like that. He said, there's no event that you could do. There's no big parade that you could put on. There's no big event that you can have. If your men will just pray, I will open the floodgates of this church. So again, I call the men, the fathers, to pray, to be men of God. This is a charge to break societal norms. That as society tries to beat us down and demasculate us, please understand that sometimes it takes a little bit of a, little bit of a, a kick, I guess, to really help get us motivated, all right? I can't make you come to these altars. I can't make you pray for your family. If you do it, you do it on your own, that's great, okay? I ain't talking to you. If this ain't convicting you, I ain't talking to you, all right? On your own, all right? Break the societal norms. Can we see God move in today's society? Can we see God move in today's church? What I have up here are these shoes, <laughs> all right? And these shoes represent my wife, Lindsay, my son, Noah, my daughter, Leah, my other daughter, Presley, and my other daughter, Olivia. So, three girls. Whew. But they represent each of them, okay? Represents the, the shoes they wear all the time, that they walk in each day, that they live out their lives every day. And then here's mine. Those are some old, dirty tennis shoes. They probably stink. 
The smell's probably making its way to the first row. But the point I'm trying to make is I could have worn my Sunday best. I could have worn my Sunday shoes that look good, that, that halfway smell good. I could have wore them and been all proper, caught up with pride, caught up in myself. But I chose to wear the work shoes. I chose to show all the dirt. I chose to lay it down in the altar for the legacy of my family. That I don't want them just to see a proper pent-up Christian. I want them to see the man who got dirty in the altars for my family. The man who went to war for my kids. The man who prayed fire down, who prayed heaven down when my kids were sick. That when there's a mental struggle happening, that I don't just sit complacent in a pew, but I step up in faith in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray out loud and I pray with boldness over my kids and my family. That they see the dirt. That it becomes evident. It becomes evident in my life. That you don't just see a proper Christian. But you see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You see the evidence of the work of God in my life. You see the legacy that is laid out for my family. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.